The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. He backed his shank and then he done legs. It's finally happened, boys and girls. Floriot are your NPL champions for the first time in 15 years. Thankfully, it wasn't recorded. Welcome to the Perth Football Podcast. I think last episode was episode 20-something. This is episode 20-something point one, and uh, it is the season-ending podcast. To my right, I've got the greatest man. It's hard to say that with the two opposite me, but Josh Chite, thanks for joining us again. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be in a room where I'm the greatest man, and and I'm actually standing with... uh, to MPL WA men's champions, which I believe it's the first time they can say that for themselves as well. It certainly is, and we are so grateful to have you. Firstly, Jason Soldaris. Hey, how are you going? Very well, and Phil Arnold. How are you going? Thanks for having us. Now, before we dive into it, uh, you still blame Jesse Lazaro for getting you sent off two years ago, don't you, Phil? Uh, no, not at all, not at all. No? Okay, good. Um, well, he can kiss your championship medal now, can't he? Uh, Florida Athena for the first time. Just give us a quick wrap up. How how are we feeling? Pretty damn good. Yeah, pretty good. It's a good feeling. Still feeling good after the Saturday night celebrations? Oh, if you asked me that on Sunday, I'd say different. But yeah, Monday's a different story. Yeah, and no, I recovered well. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Look, before we get into that game, and we'll talk a lot about that game because it's probably the perfect final game of a season you could ask for. I know going into it, you would have probably said, let's just build on that 2-0 lead and make it 4-0 and, uh, and and win it comfortably. But yeah, uh, as I said, we won't dive into it just now, even though I'm so tempted. It, it was that good. We will run through in reverse order uh, the men's MPL fixtures in terms of importance, starting with uh, Perth Inglewood. So I'll give you to talk about that, Josh. What do you think about that one? Uh, was it 1-0 win to It was a 1-0 win to Inglewood. So well done to them. We won't dwell on that. I won't make you do that. I, uh, I Actually, no. I do want to say one thing uh, before we go on. To say. No, I always have something to say. That's right. I do want to say one thing. And um, that is, of course, there was the three-cornered uh, contest at the top of the table for the title. But how unbelievably open this entire MPL men's season has been was exemplified by the fact that not a single position was decided before the final day and there are teams in in that game even though it didn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things I think Inglewood ended up sixth they couldn't could have finished anywhere from sixth to ninth Perth could have finished anywhere from seventh to tenth so there was an incredible amount to play for and even those games you know it's a big difference between you know winning that last game of the season was actually the difference for some of them between a passable season and, and one that uh you know yeah a lot, a lot of thinking is going to be have to be going to have to be done over the off season for some of the teams. Great segue. A place where a lot of thinking is going to have to be done is at Gwell Up Croatia. Uh, they went down after a four 0 loss to Perth Glory, uh, arguably leaving the NPL the same way they came in in rather disappointing fashion. They never really got it together down at Gwell Up, and they really needed to win that game because that would have kept them up if 
Balcata had have lost to Bayswater, which you think was the most likely result, given that Bayswater were playing for a top four uh, cup spot. But it it wasn't to be. It it's was been a disappointing uh, end to the season for Bayswater. I, I think suffice to say they were still in the title race only a few weeks ago, and yeah, uh, to to not make the top four, which I guess was the consolation prize after after a couple losses or, or, or um, a draw and a couple losses a few weeks ago. Now, I, I am going to get you to do a little sideways shuffle here because Kalichi has been uh, planning uh, to talk about this because he had a little look back through Bayswater's end to the season. And, yeah, we'll, we, we don't have the, the, the final standings for this, but we'll play the clip. Now... We will get through the Naughty Boy standings, which is our players the most booked. Um, Phil, I had you at the start of the season, and you've really let me down this year. There are definitely not enough bookings, um, not enough descent, uh, not enough bad tackles. So You're I a changed be- man. What's going on, man? <laughs> I expect better from you this year. But, Kalichi, uh, you wanted to talk Naughty Boys because Bayswater just have a really disappointed quick, you, didn't they? I just want to have a really quick rant about Bayswater. With five games to go, they were three, four points away from top. They were playing the team in top. They were three, Who was that? They're playing Floriot, playing the two guys in front of us. They were three, two up, and their goalkeeper got himself sent off, conceded a penalty. It's three, three. Fair enough. The next game is Sterling at home. They lose that one, three, one, after Dumba Makechi gets himself sent off. Again, from a player's perspective, harsh red card, but from a, a refereeing perspective, from a letter of the law perspective, you've got to go. You then get really good results against Armadale again. You bounce back. I think the next game was against Glory. Um, won that one, and then to get into the playoffs, to get into the finals, knowing that you were so close to challenging for the league title, if you win all five, there's a chance you win the league, and to go out to be the point where you don't even make the top four, there's got to be a lot of questions being asked there. And, and, and again, I, I played for Bayswater in a completely rubbish level, don't get me wrong. Um, been part of the club. I go there. I love, love the guys that's there in terms of the Collie, the Collie family and also the Mayo family as well. But there's got to be questions asked, especially the, the size of the squad, the firepower that they've got. Their centre backs aren't garbage in terms of um, Hesketh and Southgate. Um, Mitchell's still playing there. No, sorry. Mitchinson? Mitchinson, yeah. Mitchinson's still playing there. Mirko is absolutely quality. Hargreaves is a good footballer. So, again, I know that it's really difficult and it's really hard, but they've got to be asking themselves some questions there. What do you guys think? I think on, on paper, Bayesley are a squad to look out for. I mean, they were, I, I penciled them in my four at the start of the year. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I, I'd be disappointed if I was part of that squad. Um, I know, obviously, they're a bunch of winners too, so they wouldn't be too happy with where they finish. Um, but, you know, it's, sometimes it's just how the season is if you can't be consistent enough and stand up when you need to. Well, that, and another really disappointing one for them was the Australia Cup uh, qualifier against Armidale. Um, and, uh, uh, look, Armidale are very up and down side, as you both probably know, that when you get them on a bad, on a good day, they can give you real troubles. But if you get them on a bad day, you can stick five or six past them, and we've seen that regularly. Um, Bayswater obviously got them when they were on a good day, but yeah, that that would be another real disappointing one for them. They had a chance to be in the Australia Cup. They didn't take it. I don't, I don't like calling any teams bottlers or chokers, so I won't use that kind of language, but they, they didn't take the opportunity. They had a huge opportunity to be in the top four. They had an ch- opportunity before they played you guys to be uh, challenging for the top of the league, uh, and... And this is so, and this I think ties in with you guys and your eventual success. But uh, 
the the discipline and you talk about players getting sent off and and a decision not going your way and and just getting up and getting on with it would you guys agree that was that was a, a problem with Floriot last year yeah I think at times uh, we struggled with yellow cards and red cards and handling certain situations um, it's never easy when you've got thin squads and you've got players missing it affects you so definitely definitely affects yeah and and Something that I noticed this year that w- was a marked difference, uh, and that game's almost a microcosm of it because you were saying before this that you guys could have had a penalty given earlier. Uh, it wasn't. Um, then Bayswater get perhaps a, a fortunate penalty, um, but it seems like that really affects them, whereas you guys didn't get the decision earlier, but you you stuck at it and got the result. Yeah, I mean, we we, we look to score an open play. I mean, penalty is a penalty. If it, if it is what it is and it's our, our way, we, we'll take it, but... We we've been working hard to score goals just through just through open play just through just what we've been working on at training and, and getting the job done. Just you, you spoke about that Australia Cup game earlier. Did Bayswater get a red card in that game? Yes, Merco got sent off. Merco got sent off. So that's that's another one where where disciplines had a big factor. We do mm. want to say. Um, before, Don't look too excited talking about that. <laughs> smiles on the other side of the room. He's a mate of ours. He's a mate of ours. Good mate. Shout out to Merck. Mirth, mirth and titters. Um, so uh, something we do need to say, Valcata, they did an absolutely incredible job to pull themselves out of the mire mm. at the end of the got season. A, got a few experienced heads in to, to just pull them through, and that obviously made a big difference. Yeah, and it's just justified the decision to go for Glenn Grostate as the coach. He was able to get some fantastic players in there. They refreshed the squad. Even the players that he brought in from, from Quinns uh, with him, Hinchelwood was a, a big factor up front. And um, oh, geez, some some of the goals, Michael Tong, uh, Adam Tong. Yeah. So, Adam. <laughs> so I was thinking of the Sheffield United. He's, he's up player. scoring free kicks yeah, and, and all sorts. Yeah. ridiculous. But uh, <laughs> you have to praise them uh, from where they were earlier in the year. And obviously... Uh, such a massive thing for them to to stay in the league as well, being a, a club with a, a strong junior setup as Kalichi, well. Kalichi, this is the last time you're allowed to jump the last on. Last time I'm going to interject, but <laughs> yes, we need to praise them. But we also need to question them because they started the season with this entire youth policy and they played all these youngsters, and that's absolutely fine. But if if you wanted to go with experience, you should have let Michael Johnson have the opportunity to get these experienced players because you haven't given them the opportunity. He's lost his job, and then you've gone. You know what? Let's go back and get experience. And again. I tell you this, that team that played against Emerald would not have won the Sunday League. They would not have won Division 2. They would not have won Division 1. They'd have been really good technical players, but not up for a fight. And I'll shut my mouth up and I'll go sit back down. Okay, sit back down, producer Kalichi. Uh, bringing up a man losing his job, it's always hard. Jason, have you ever lost your job? I've, I've lost my... Yeah, I have. Yes, yeah? I have. yeah? Tell us about that. Oh, no, I just... Long story, had enough, and that was it. Okay. Well, you didn't lose it then. You, I you... lost it myself, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. You quit. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't you're, find you're me. About... I quit. I don't like the word quit, you <laughs> That's <know>? fine. <laughs> Phil, you lost your job ever? Uh, ever been sacked? No, I've always worked for my family or myself. So. <laughs> That'd be harsh, wouldn't it? <laughs> have, have if your you... family sacks you, that's the end of the line. Have, have you ever been dropped from the number one goalkeeper position? Yeah, I have, yeah. Whereabouts? I got. I actually got dropped when I was playing at South, two games out from the end of the season. Yeah, look at you now. Mm. Yeah, come on, South. Uh, all right, so let's move on. Bayswater, Balcata, obviously the, the positive there was Balcata getting the win, which meant well up, go down. Uh, we will now move into the top three, which at the start of the weekend was open. It was anyone's game. 
Sterling, unlikely because, no, sorry, Red Star, unlikely because they needed three things to happen. And you, you didn't go down to Floriot's game last week when they could have been crowned champions because two things needed to happen. But Red Star, three things needed to happen. One of them was Sorrento beating Sterling, which Sorrento did. Uh, Gustavo. Uh, Gosh. Big game player, isn't, Good, isn't he? he? You, you would actually look, and, and I think um, something that's really notable about Sterling, fantastic defensive side, but really struggled to score goals all year. I mean, they brought Michael Dompe in from Perth. He didn't fire. I think he scored two or three goals. Yeah, it hasn't uh, happened for him. For the season, their top goal scorer was Cal Whitney, another former Perth player. But he was a, a centre midfielder who spent a lot of time in six as well across the course of the season. He scored, I think, seven goals. And you look across the other side of the pitch, and Gustavo, he hasn't been a factor in every game necessarily, but the games where he has shown up, where he has shown his quality he's been the difference maker and the two goals he scored were really sensational. And Sorrento have a lot of firepower up front. They've got Cummings in the attacking midfield position. They've got Chris Jackson who set up Gustavo's first goal with a sensational header. And you, you almost feel for Sterling, maybe if they had one or two of those players in their side, it may have been a different outcome for them. Yeah. Well, uh, you talk about the magnificent Gus, you guys have Played against him, I'm sure, a few times. As a goalkeeper, it probably is more infuriating than others. A player that can just make something out of nothing. Um, what, what were your experiences playing against him? Oh, he's just, he's old school, man. He can send your defenders one way and take the ball the other way. And then he can shoot with his hips one way and then kick it the other side. So you just don't know what you're getting with Gustavo. But he's, yeah, he's a he's a vigilant striker. He gets the job done. He's got goals in his foot. You know, he's he's good to have on your side. All right, well, you may still have to come up against him now that they're in the top four. Um, hopefully, for you guys, it won't be until the final. If you get it, yes, Josh, he's uh, got something to say. Kalichi was just telling me, I don't think he's trying to commandeer the mic again this time, but Kalichi was telling <laughs> me that uh, Sorrento are one loss in seven. Is that right? Yeah, right. I mean, right. so... Uh, good runner form. It sounds like they're not the team that you want to come up against in the, the top four cup. Uh, for your boys, Jason and Phil, what have you made of Sorrento across the course of the season? They, they, of course, they were actually leading the league about eight games in before they, they went in a slump. What are they like? And they're such a different team as well to play against because they play that three five two or four four two tight, narrow. What's it like playing against them? Uh, look, they're, they're always a tough game. They, they play quite direct. They've got, obviously, two good strikers, Jackson and Marilunda. They're going to always cause you troubles. And they've got a bit of pace in Witchy as well. Um, they just always give you a battle every game, no matter what. You know it's going to be a battle against them, and you've got to be up for it. Otherwise, they are they are going to they're going to beat you. Well, I think uh, they're one of the few teams that I don't think you got to win against this year. Is that is that correct? I think Kalichi's nodding to me. So a couple of draws was it? No, no. We no, was looking at me twice. like you're wrong. No, we beat them twice. We leave, were, it, I think, leave it in. I leave think it we in. Were the one of the seven. Kalichi's wrong. Leave it in. <laughs> All right. That's fine. That's fine. Um, let's uh, move on from that. So that was that was a game for Sterling. Uh, they thought they were, had the chance to win the league. They've gone down uh, 2-1 to Sorrento, which meant that Perth Red Star had the chance to win the league. That was two of the things that needed to go right. And they... Handled Coburn City. They don't like doing you favours at Coburn. They they love to they love to turn. And I think if you don't win the league this season, you're looking at the five points dropped against them and thinking like, how do we keep dropping points to these guys, especially after that infamous 2020 final day? And they've just rolled over and let Red Star tickle their bellies on uh, Saturday just to make sure that you had to win 
which meant Red Star was standing on the side of the pitch with a, a phone or a tablet, uh, and they, I'm not sure the exact timing of when the Armadale goal's gone in, but it probably before their game finished. So they've come over to the sidelines and seen 90 minutes, Florida Armadale 2-2, They've huddled around. Uh, Josh was sending us uh, snapshots from the broadcast of them all watching the game. And you guys must feel for them after after all their excitement, thinking that they've won the league and it, it didn't work out. You feel, feeling sorry for the for the boys up Phil, in the Phil, north? Phil doesn't – you didn't see <laughs> – oh, you actually might see Phil's face there because we've got a camera of it. <laughs> Phil did not look sorry in the slightest. Look, no, nah, look, we, we kind of owed them one, didn't we? So they kind of stole one from us two years ago, so. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, like, Coburn involved as well in the, in, in the same day. And it was oh, – I don't know. It's, the, the NPL just seems to write scripts in WA. And, and this was, was one of those because and, – And you were really certain going in. You were like, oh, there's no way Red Star can win the league because Coburn can't lose on the last game of the season <laughs> against a big team. I didn't right? factor in the fact that they just try and screw over Florida any, any way they possibly can. Um, but they, they did it again, which meant that you guys had to win Q final day down at Alfred Skeet Reserve, which I was down at, and you've got off to the perfect start. Uh, Petkov's threaded one through for, for Bailey Brown Montgomery, who's uh, perhaps overthought the, the first one and finished it straight at the keeper and got the lucky ricochet. And then, um, Phil, you've gone into the box and... I think you've anticipated the contact again. Uh, lucky you didn't have a, a cheeky prick pulling his leg out at the last minute like you had in 2020. But um, in this one, the contact was there. You've won the penalty. Robbie stepped up and put that away. What are you thinking at that point? Look, we're thinking at that point just to continue the way we're going. Things are going good. I mean, there's probably 10 minutes to go in the half. Um, we weren't really taking any risks. The game was kind of they look they were having a few shots but not really troubling us, um, and then they've kind of got us on the counter. One's like bobbled over Ludo's foot and yeah, it kind of went all the way down our end. Didn't all the it? way down there, and then they put one in. I think it was in extra time of the first half, which is not not a way and way you want to go into the the half two one and then mm. you know uh, half time they're just going to. Through. They got nothing to lose. They're just going to throw it's, everything out. Exactly. This is something that we were talking about, um, but well, be before the podcast and last week. Um, but this, <laughs> the goal that they scored, and this is a classic Armadale. They've got players that can just like uh, George Ballas just burst through, and he can take a player on one on one, pull it back. Uh, young Gordon Perkins on the end of it is is another player that can just pull out freakish things. I think his uh, oh, scorpion his scorpion kick, kick yeah, um, yeah <laughs> encapsulates. Be goal of the year, you reckon? Yeah, his. <laughs> I think it has to be. Um, unless you've scored any screamers this year, Phil? But... No, nah, not myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was the most viral goal in the NPL this it, year. Uh, unbelievable, and and yeah, he was on the end of it, finished it well, and then uh, yeah, Kalicha was saying that gives John O'Reilly a chance to go in there at halftime, gives you guys a chance to go in and stew on it for fifteen minutes and think. It's Floriot. Are we going to do it again? Jason, honestly, is that running through your mind at halftime? At, at, at halftime, I, I always ask my physio what, what's going on around the scores, um, just so I know what's happening. So I got the word ECU is uh, is up at halftime. I, we have to win. Um, so I'm just thinking, all right, just put some lock more up pressure shop. on you. Yeah, lock up shop. We'll, 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 We'll get another goal. We're playing well. You know, we're, we're winning our battles. Yeah, we went into a bit of a defensive phase, but we're, we're, we've got the players to change the game. 
Yeah, and in the end, it was a late uh, set piece, the free kick that put the cat amongst the pigeons, as I like to say. And it was. Uh, didn't you say the car amongst the pigeons? I did say the car amongst the pigeons in the chat, which is yeah probably more destructive for the for the pigeons. Although it depends, like if, if the depends how fast the car's going. Stop side railing me. Um, <laughs> the way they were setting up over that, I was thinking. Although the, uh, in the end, the way uh, Kevin Ashwood was standing it was probably more setting up to to curl that one towards you. But I was thinking you've got the right footer who can sort of put it top left. You've got the left footer who can curl it across the goals. It was. The absolute perfect position to make life a oh, nightmare for you. For me. Yeah, terrible for me. So, so I'm thinking the right footer can go direct, the left footer can curl it across. In the end, uh, Kevin puts this ball in, which is probably the perfect ball because it's like it's too far for me. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. it's a it's just a, a, one of those chaos balls where the keeper can't come. There's a mess of players, and in the situation Armadale are in, you're just hoping it ricochets, bounces, falls to the right person, and in the end, it did. We spoke to you after the game and. From the way you reacted to that, I felt like after that goal, you were more confident you'd come back and get the win than you were at halftime. Oh, look, as uh, uh, Phil is on the pitch, he probably doesn't have a lot of time to think as much as me. But when the ball's up top, you know, I got a, I got a whole lot of time to think, you know, and you got everything running through your head, and you know, you got the boys saying, "Yep, yeah, let's keep going. We'll keep going." Bailey's the one yelling, "Yep, yeah, we still got it. We still got it." You know, Phil's on the side, telling players what to do, like you know. Being C run up they there. They had to get Phil off so he wouldn't get sent off. So. <laughs> no, he had to help Vass. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop Jace going up for a corner. Yeah, he actually stopped yeah, me. You wanted to. Oh, I was so point. keen. You don't understand. <laughs> I knew we would get another chance. So I didn't want to stick a seed there. Yeah, you you wanted to get your uh, your Allison moment in there. Yeah, didn't yeah. You? nice little cheeky header. Back really yourself. Nice. Yeah. In the end, you you didn't get your um, Allison Becker moment, but you did get your Jordan Henderson uh, trophy lift, which I think you delivered very well. I tried. Um, I yeah. try. Josh, we've been talking all season about the camera angle down at Armadale. So they, they film from like ground level because there's just nowhere to put the camera down there. And there's still this goal that people say Daryl Nichols scored, but but none of us there's even no know. Because that, but that was when they were filming it on the other, oh, side. the other side. So they were filming games down there on the opposite side with the camera and the cameraman couldn't move quick enough to get. So you'd miss half the game. It was absolutely shocking. Work. So, we, so, we won't name the company, but. So, 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 so they filmed, so they filmed it from ground level and you just think, oh, Jesus, this camera angle and you're watching the game and then Bailey scores the goal and he's and it turns run. out to be the perfect it is spot the, for the camera. It's not camera shy, is he? <laughs> and, and it is the absolute best position because he's run over to where the Athena fans are out there and that celebration, the amount of emotion that was in that, I think knowing that, that you'd potentially bottled it again, uh, and been rescued at, at the last minute in injury time. The emotion that was let out in that moment, what was that like for all of you? Oh, it was a massive relief. It was a massive relief. Especially yeah. after Adriano's uh, had the greatest moment of his life running over and celebrating in front oh, of all your fans. That back. I couldn't believe that. Oh, come on. It's a bit... Look, I've given I've given Bailey, as we know, plen- plenty of stick for his celebrations. Adriano, that is shit. You have not won the league. You weren't in the race and you want to run over and... Jump in front of the supporters who haven't won it for 15 years. No, nah, I'm not about that. Not about that at all. But uh, yeah, one man who, as I mentioned, criticised his celebration. So I want to take a bit of credit for Bailey's performance on the weekend because I think it did inspire is him. His footballing did, performance it, it, or his no? His celebration. I don't care about his footballing performance, but his celebrations on the weekend. The knee slide after the first goal. Jump up. Tell the kids come to me. Big hugs of the little Floriot kids in the Floriot shirts, and then. To score the winner 
run up down the touchline and jump in front of the Armadale fans and give them the machine gun, uh, like just inject that straight into my veins. Because has he been working on his celebrations or what? I think he, I think he thinks of one before every game, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he, he got that one to. from Sean. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think Sean was telling him what to do. Yeah, Sean's. Yeah, I think he's the he's the master of ceremonies when it comes to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I like I like that he got mobbed by all the players and fans and the bench and all that before he could let it get to the point that it might become embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. There was no chance he wasn't getting mobbed. It was pandemonium. One, it's it's one of the all time great. Moments in WI football, isn't it? Oh. There's, there's no other way to put it. It's crazy. It's, I'm, I'm just like, I feel privileged that I could be the one there calling that game because to be honest with you, I, I picked you guys for the league and I've stuck by it all year. I think you can both, you can both back me up on that. First, that you what, did you, the, what did he, from, from did the first episode, rewind it to the first episode. Rewind if you want to find, you, you're welcome to find the clip of this, Kalichi, because you can find other wait, clips. Wait, 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 wait. Your wait. agenda. No, nah, you've already, you, you've already claimed some sort of victory on Hatgate. I've not claimed a victory. I'm just saying I've backed Floriot all the way through. You can look it up later. Go back and listen to episode one when we did our predictions. Um, never wavered. But then I was away for three weeks and they were doing their predictions. No one said Floriot. And you all knew that, didn't you? We did. Yeah, I think someone said it to us uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday night. night. Yeah. yeah. Might, might have been Bailey. I, I, <laughs> I was I was about to, by the way. I got cut off on that episode. Yeah, oh, of course you were. Yeah, of course you were going to say it. Um, but yeah, pick Florida to win the league. They've you've you've gone and done me proud. So so thank you for that. I've, I'm not right about very much in football, so it's it's nice to to occasionally be right. Uh, you know, I I did say so. Um, I think myself and uh, Tommy. I'm not sure who else. We were talking a little bit, maybe after that episode or one of the episodes before. We were talking after the show was done. And a couple of players, uh, a couple of people were going, oh yeah, Floriot, like they're not playing that well. And I was like, well, you know, but they're, they're not playing that well, but they're getting these results every week. I think the Bayswater game was, was an example of that. And no offense to either of you, but you were, you were not in that game. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> They deserve that 100%. Yeah. Um, but it got to that point, you know, you'd have one of the weakest defense, I think the worst defense in the top half uh, going towards the last few weeks. And then leading up to the game against Armadale, you really tied in the screws and you, you went into, I think, one one goal conceded in three games after that, that Bayswater match. And uh, something that we, we were talking about before, before we came on air was, you know, you had injuries and, and in previous years, you haven't been able to cover for injuries. Uh, this year, you had injuries in both the fullback positions. You lost Ben Steele. You lost other players. You had Sean McManus drop into right back for the last few games of the season. He was sensational. Well, and he had that injury at the start of the year that they the were saying he's going to be out for right, 10 yeah. weeks. Thankfully, came back a bit sooner. He had Robbie out Robbie for a out. bit. Like, Riley it was, Woodcock. It, it felt, honestly, I think we, we were at, talking to, to Con up at um, Floriot saying, just whenever, whenever things look like they're going right, because you guys look like the best team in the league after the night series, then Sean was was linking up so well, like Sean and and he was and, a striker at that point. Uh, uh, well, yeah, he <laughs> uh, was linking up so well with the with the rest of you guys up front, and we were thinking like this this seems great to watch, it's exciting. And then he goes down, and they're talking about maybe it being a season, maybe it being ten weeks, and it just it was it was the Floriot curse, and we just felt like whenever things are going right, they start going wrong. Um, but yeah, the way you guys have pulled it together this year and kept going, Sean's come back. You said it afterwards. He, he's come in and done a job at right back and players are playing out of position and everyone is just pulling together, doing everything for the team. 
Oh, yeah, just just sensational performance. A quick word before we took, go on to your top four uh, opponents and, and what Josh is about to ask you. But I talked to you and, and Rob Petkov after the night series final, and you said how good it is to have this guy that can, you know, if you can't play it out from the back, you can just hit this target man. The way he can bring a ball down, no matter where it is, with three opponents against him and hold it up and wait for some midfields to come, He's he's an incredible asset, isn't he? Yeah, oh, he's massive. He's massive. Yeah, no, he's, we call him the squid. <laughs> he likes doing stuff the hard way, but he's good at doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. He, yeah, a huge. We we talked to to Rob Peckoff Senior after the game, and he was saying, "What do you think about my son?" And, <laughs> uh, he's very good. He's uh, he we we. If, I, if if I said I didn't think he was any good, he he's big enough. That <laughs> I wouldn't want to say it to his face. So yeah, well, you probably couldn't. You'd have no, to get up on a so. on a stool or something to to do that, Josh. But yeah, you have the top four cup now coming up. Uh, you've won the night series. You've won the league, uh, which is obviously the biggest one. You guys have won the top four cup before, but how important is it for you now? How much do you want to win that to just to make it a treble this year and, and make it as close to a perfect year as you could probably hope for at the start? I, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's still massive for us. We, we're still saying the job's not done. Um, we want to win as much as we can. You know, you only got a short span playing. So, you know, we're here to win trophies. We've won it what we can right now. Cup was unfortunate. But yeah, to to make it a, a treble year, I don't I don't I don't have a stat for when the last time a Florida team did it, but we'd like to be part of that stat. Oh, Tommy's not in the room, he'd have the stat, surely. Tommy, Tommy jo- would jo- know. Josh, you wanted to ask something before we ask uh, about their Red Star opponents? Uh look, I've got a, a couple things to ask i mean one was and maybe a quick response to this one but one was uh lot matiang coming back to the team in the middle of the season i couldn't believe when i found out he was only 17 years old still um how how big has he been coming into the team and taking a spot in the midfield and when he went to perth initially at senior squad members were you disappointed did you think he was a player who would have featured in the team earlier in the year if he'd stayed around yeah, yeah, we were very disappointed when he left. We thought he would have had a good opportunity to play this year. And especially, you look at the start of the year, we had a lot of injuries. He definitely would have played a lot more games. I um, mean, he went to Perth and he wasn't wasn't featuring then. And obviously he came back to us and he made a big impact straight away. I think he scored two winners for us. Yeah, two winners. Um, off the bench. And then he yeah. got his chance in the middle and he took it. He didn't really look back from there. I and, think um, you, you can tell the stones of a man that will step up and take a match-winning penalty in stoppage time Against after, Red Star as well. after an incorrect Dogzo decision, as Kalichi knows, um, sh- shouldn't have been a red card for the we, goal. We were kicker. right about yeah, that. Yeah, we were right about right? that. Yeah, it, it was it was a penalty. Uh, Lart Matiang stepped up, and that's, that's, I mean, that's the confidence of a guy for a 17-year-old to step up and the top of the toe. And this is one of these late wins that you guys must look back on and think, like, you were behind in the 90th minute. Uh, you score one. Uh, I think it's I think it's a bit of a for, fortunate one. Ben's cross that just just floats yeah. in. I don't know if you ask Ben, he might say otherwise. Yeah, he, he, t- he tells us he shoots. He probably <laughs> he, <laughs> he, had, he had the free kick against Perth, who we just left as well to to win two one. Yeah, late late on it. Yeah, uh, at yes, it was, stadium. Yeah. I think he had another yeah stoppage time winner a couple of weeks before that, and yeah, just 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 an incredible an incredible season. So many moments, um, Josh. I, very quickly, I do have one last one to to ask you before we get on to you know, your, your your top four cup opponents. Um, but so many of you have spent you know you're one of the 
would say you're one of the more experienced squads in the league. So many have spent several seasons there. You've got players there, Ludo Boy, who had two sensational performances leading up to this one to, to kind of salvage uh, your season, particularly that Sorrento game. Um, and I understand uh, you're a bit disappointed you didn't win the week before because Dean Evans uh, was down watching the game and would have joined in the celebrations with you as well. What does it mean for yourselves and, and all of the players who've been in that club for 10 plus years uh, who haven't gotten to taste the success that the club's had in the and past? And the club as a whole, it's such it's a real family at Florida, isn't it? Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah. We've got a great board and great president. Yeah. Um, they look after us. They're fantastic. Our coach. You know, the young players look up to us. We try and do the right thing by them. You're you know? just saying that because you know he's going to be listening to this. No, no, no. It's serious. You <laughs> but know? he like, will. We, 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 we were yeah, con- contract team. negotiations for next year. <laughs> I mean, yeah. even Dean, was the fir- he was the first guy kind of cheering us on. Yeah. yeah. Dean's been with us the whole way. You know, it's, since he left to this whole season, he's always throwing comments here and there and just, you know, rallying us up or, you know, saying, oh, you know, just getting involved and... Yeah, you know, I actually feel him not being with us this season, you know, like he deserves it too. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's as, he's as happy as any of you because yeah. Yeah, the club's got that trophy that you've long waited and, and if we're all honest, you have deserved. Uh, before we ask you the, the big questions and, and write out part one, it's been a big part one. Uh, you guys deserve it. You deserve your airtime because mm-hmm. it's been a wonderful year, but you do now have to look ahead to Red Star, uh, Phil, and... The last game against them was a was a nail biter. I'm sure you're expecting another tough game when you come up against them on the weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. But we know what they're about. Uh, they got quality everywhere. Um, I mean, Daryl Nichols scoring goals for fun. Um, so you've got to obviously stop him from scoring. But they got other dangers too. They're not just him. They're solid in the midfield, solid at the back. I mean, they don't really have any weak spots, really. No. You could say so. It's going to be a tough game, but yeah, we're we'll be up for it. All right. Well, good luck for that. Uh, we don't have any favourites here at the Perth Football Podcast, but we are all delighted for you as a club, as individuals and as a team. Uh, it's been an incredible year. Um, so congratulations on that. Before we let you go, we'll start with you, Phil. Harry Potter, Twilight or Hunger Games? Oh, Harry Potter all the way. Jason? <sighs> Is none of the above an answer? No, you've got to choose one. You got, you, you're going to be locked in a room and you have to watch one of them. His little brother loves Harry Potter, so... Yeah, I'll go with Harry Potter. Oh. Harry. <laughs> right. Do you know, none of the above would be the one I would choose as well. But, uh, and toughest opponent that you've ever faced in your footballing career? What team? Uh, player. Player. Oh. It's hard as a goalkeeper, isn't it? you just got to pick the best forward you've ever come up against, mm. I reckon. All right, who's a good forward, Phil? <laughs> <You? laughs> don't, don't ask Phil to do all your work, like always. I don't know. It's a tough question. Yeah, we should have we should have given him a, a bit of a... Chance to think about this one. I'll, I'll throw to Phil so you can have a think about it. Yeah. You're obviously going to say Jesse Lazaro. No, no. <laughs> no, when I was younger, I went on trial over in England and I came up against um, a guy called Chester who captained Hull, uh, played for Aston Villa. And yeah, he was at Man U at the time. And So what was, the, what was his name? Chester. Oh, was it James? Uh, James Chester? James Chester, yeah. He ah, cool. Like when I was younger, I used to be fast and strong and this guy was faster and stronger and just... Absolute beast, and I yeah. love a deep cut. So James Chester is a deep cut. That's fantastic. Yeah. Have you thought of one yet, Jason? Uh, I can't pinpoint one. You can just, just say Daryl Nickel because he's scoring thirty something goals this year. If you want, oh, yeah, he scored one against me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and could you have saved it? Uh, I don't think so. 
Okay, yeah, you would so. say that. All right. Well, Jason, uh, Phil, thank you so much. It, honestly, it means so much to us that you come in here and help us. We love to, to promote the game uh, here in Perth and, and getting you guys in just, just adds to that so much. So genuinely thank you from the uh, bottom of the Perth Football Podcast hearts and best of luck uh, against Red Star. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be back with part two after this. Oh, and we can take a breath. Take a breath, Kalichi. It's an exciting part one. Take a breath, Tommy. That was a, that was a big one. Uh, we are back with part two, and we are very, very excited. I've just mentioned we've still got Kalichi. We've still got Tommy. Uh, Phil and Jason have left the building, but we have uh, oh, an equally magnificent man in opposite me, Pete Rackage. Much better the teeth. Perth's, really? Yeah. He's, I mean, I was thinking about the, uh, the way he looks after himself when we simultaneously, just before we started this recording, took a sip. I took a sip of my beer and he took a sip of his Cool Ridge water. Um, so he's a very healthy man as uh, well as a, as a magnificent one. Pete, thank you so much for coming in and joining us. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, I think I've taken the same sort of route as uh, the Cristiano effect, putting <laughs> putting the Coke aside. I can let you have the beer. I'll take the water. <laughs> well, and Cool Ridge, I think, uh, owned by Coke as well. So he's yeah, literally done Co- the... Company man. Just, yeah. just don't celebrate like him, Pete. I won't. Never. Uh, yeah, You'll never no, catch me there's, doing there's that. Been, there have been far too many of those in the NPL. I think all in the men's. Has there been a... Uh, a sue in the women's? Yes. Oh, my God. Who yeah. was it? Abby. Name and shame. Bay Phillips. I'm calling her out right now. Bay We've Phillips. even changed her name Bay. in the chat to oh. CR7. Jeez. Oh. Bay, you're better than that, Faye, to borrow a Chris Sutton line. Let but that be a warning, Faye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did see you on the weekend, uh, not at the men's game, as I uh, mistakenly thought earlier, as, as my brain got mixed up in the excitement. But I did see you at uh, Balcata Red Star, obviously scoping out the competition for that yeah, big semi-final. Surely you've up. seen them enough to know exactly what they're going to be doing. There was no, there was no surprises in that game. Surely, uh, I think c- certainly partly because it wasn't much of a game, was it? Yeah, that, to me there wasn't anything surprising apart from Red Star's performance. I thought they were well below par, and I think the nature of the football certainly was a bit different too. There's a lot of transition play, a lot of balls over the top. Um, not much stuff being connected and put together. I think it was probably, yeah, as I said, one of their worst performances all year. So. It, it certainly felt like a team uh, that were probably happy to take the undefeated season, didn't want to uh, really push themselves too hard, knowing that of all the teams that they have to come up against, there is one team that has taken points off them twice up until the weekend. You were the only team to take points off them. So there is obviously... An, an element of them leaving something in the tank and thinking, you know, this is a big, big game coming up. It is the, uh, for those of you that don't know, the semi-final, the winner goes straight into the top four cup final. The loser plays uh, the victors of the Fremantle NTC uh, matchup. Um, what are your thoughts coming into this game? Must be exciting and you must feel like you've got a chance given the last two uh, meetings you've had with them. Certainly think we have a chance and, and I know Red Star will probably be aware of our threat too. They know how much we want it from them because of the last two encounters obviously ending in a draw. And yeah, look, it, it's going to be big and we, per, like personally, I think that we should have taken all three points in the encounter that we had with them at Red Star's ground when it was a nil-all draw. I spoke with Carlos after the game and he even said that himself. Vice versa to our performance at Dorian Gardens a few weeks later when it was one all, I probably thought they could have taken the three points there. So it's just a matter of who's going to show up more on the day, I think, can really take it. And as I said, we 
I personally don't think that we've performed at our highest level yet against them. I think if we do and when we do, that's when we will take the victory. What's your what's your highest level look like? Like if if you were to get Perth playing at their highest level, um, is it Meekins taking forty five yarders? Is it um, you like, can never have enough yeah, of them. Like, like like tell me tell me what's that team look like at its at its absolute purring peak? Uh, in total control, basically. We unfortunately the game where I felt as though we have been at our absolute best, it wasn't filmed. It was against Fremantle. Never in, happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was against Fremantle in the semi-final of, actually not semi-final, sorry, the quarter-final of the State Cup. And we, I think we will 4-0 up in 20 minutes, something like that. And it was the most clinical, sharp display of football that we've put together. Just total control in terms of football being played. A lot of passages and, and quick build-up play through the middle that eventuated in goals and very, very clinical goals too. So in order for us to maintain that for 90 minutes, that's tough on anyone. Absolutely. But I've seen that now from them. I've seen it in passages and moments where I think that we can really lift ourselves and, and hold that for a full a full match. You mentioned the um that, that control of play and your midfield's a like a really good midfield and it, it's a match for almost anyone in this league. And um we were there at the game against Mum FC and you came out and you had, had some choice words to say uh to the team at half time. So so in terms of that, how important is your midfield purring to, to get the ball down and make sure that it's not not the long transitional game that it kind of looked like or felt like at times where it was balls coming out from the back and it was almost bypassing the midfield, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. So look, when I first took on the the job, I looked at who was in the midfield and I realized that they were probably players that weren't reaching their full capacity or their full potential in that kind of a system too. So I really wanted to implement a style of football that utilized them a lot more. So for them to be instrumental in all of our build-up play, not just from the back, but holding the ball, moving forward into the final third, that is definitely where I want them to be. And that's uh, definitely where I feel as though they can be too. In terms of um, how the team have evolved over the course of the season, Pete, I think it was fair to say that the team were lacking a little bit of sharpness in front of goal in the early part of the season. But as things have gone and as you found that fluidity in the midfield and as a couple of the attacking players have sort of come to the fore a little bit more, obviously Caitlin Douglas is starting to see some more regular minutes. Um, I think Jamie Duncanson's improved more and more as the season's gone on as well. Um, can you sort of tell us a little bit more about that evolution in terms of the, the attacking fluidity that you've sort of gathered throughout the season? And, and do you sort of feel that you can sort of hit that peak when you do get to the finals? Definitely, yeah. It was more like for people and players like Jamie Duncanson and that, I think they were wearing a lot of pressure on themselves to be the only goal scorer in the team. And it started to feel that way because when she wasn't scoring the goals, we did have those very close encounters where we were nil all draws, one nil wins relying on a moment of magic, as I said, from Abby to pull in a free kick from 25 yards or something to win us a match. So the introduction of Caitlin Douglas has been massive on that part because it takes the pressure then off those girls. And I think that's what's really allowed that fluidity to come to life. And we saw that in certain games then where perhaps the attention wasn't turned on players like Jamie Duncanson, Ella Lincoln, Liana Cook, those girls at the top who may have found themselves struggling at times. And as I said, with the injection of Caitlin Douglas, it certainly relieved that. So <clears throat> moving into, yeah, a finals pro, uh, sorry, a final series now with that on the back of some big wins as of late and a lot more goal scorers adding to the score sheet. It is huge for us. And, uh, Sorry, you go, Tommy. I was just going to say, and another player at the other end of the pitch that I wanted to highlight as well is Alyssa Van Heerk, who I think's oh, been sure. one of the best players in the league this season. She's... Her ability to read the game, her ability to play out from the back, 
and her ability to, I don't know, just, just as an all-round defender, just seem to be in the right place at the right time. Um, can you tell her about, obviously, you've only conceded 14 goals in, in the 21 games that you've played this season. So can you tell her about the, the way in which she's really helped you to solidify that defence? She has been colossal and there's nothing more I can really say about that. She's just, she's been so massive in every single part of our build-up play. And I think even just looking at the stats where she's completed almost, I think like 12, 13, maybe even 1400 passes now, as opposed to the next person in line in that defensive line from her, from another team that's around the eight, 900 mark. So it just goes to show how important she actually is for us as a player her ability to track players down and make those recovery runs and put in last ditch tackles has just been immense too. Like I honestly don't think we would be where we are on the table or would have achieved what we have this year without her in the, in the center of defense. So going from one of your most important central defenders, I'd love to talk about red star and where their weaknesses might be. The one player I think that absolutely shone above all others on the game that we were both at on Sunday is Kim Carroll, who is almost flawless in terms of position, in terms of cutting out passes. Whenever there's danger, she's there. It's absolutely incredible. If there's any way you can make sure she doesn't play uh, for, for your semi-final, that's probably your best bet. But um, just, just give us a word on her because she she is another level above, isn't she? She is another level. And that you can, you can certainly tell when a team tries to build up their play and they try to slip a ball in behind. And you so many times see that it hits Kim. She either, it either hits her on the head, hits her on the foot, and you're sitting there thinking, why are they playing it straight to her? It's not. She's read the play. She knows where that ball is going. She steps in and intercepts it. And it's so, so frustrating because you look at that <laughs> thinking that, why can't you just play the ball past her? And it's because she's always there. She, yeah, she is another level above. So, so where is the weakness for Red Star if they have one? And how do you get at them? You can't say it on the podcast, mate, because they'll be listening. I do. Look, I have my own perception of their weakness. I think they leave a certain space on the pitch very openly exposed. We've tr- been trying to expose that certain space on the pitch over the last couple of games. Being able to implement that firstly is, is a big thing. It's a big task. And then from there, progressing from where that space we expose and then getting into an attack and scoring a goal is another thing. So it's a work in progress. But as I said to uh, you gentlemen on the weekend that I uh, we've got a blueprint, basically. We just need to carry it out. And in terms of the season and the way it's sort of played out as well, Pete, you have known for quite some time that you will be participating in the top four cup and that at some points in that tournament, you will have to have uh, come across Red Star. So how have you sort of struck the balance of week to week coaching and planning for the games against the other teams in the league while simultaneously perhaps working in the background, knowing full well that these games against Red Star would inevitably be coming up? That's a good question. Yeah, we look each week. Yeah, I always, for them. yeah, I always try focus on what we lacked the most on the weekend, moving into the, the the next fixture. But on top of that, there's something that we've been doing in particular to work on our our games against Red Star, and that can be taken against every opponent. So just really dialing back on our principles and trying to perfect the art of what we've been trying to do without me saying too much. Obviously, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a fine it's a fine process. It really is. And it's a work in, in progress too. But look, I'm, I'm always there working with the girls and they're always putting in hundred percent during the week too. So if we can implement what we've been doing on a training ground on that weekend game, when it comes, it's uh it'll be good. 
Um, I've already mentioned Kim Carroll and, and her importance. There's obviously not a lot you can do about it other than maybe hope she has a mistake or a bad game in her. But another player that I, I sort of want to get your thoughts on and in terms of uh, as an opposition coach uh, and one that other people might not think about is Emily Dunn at left back, who I noticed particularly during that Balcata game is is the launch pad for a lot of their attacks. Uh, she she play obviously fullbacks these days, you know, play a big part going forward. But I, I I feel like her more so than probably a lot of other fullbacks in the league. And she's the most right sided player that you'd ever see. But it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. She she definitely goes um, under the radar. She's very solid, very consistent, and you know what you're going to get with her from her performances. I think everyone knows that, and especially Red Star would know that as a squad. I always hear their players speaking very very highly of her. With regards to her build-up play and coming down the left side, if she's combining with Larry, that's where it comes from. They obviously know that having that speed and that threat on that left side is, is where it can really come from. So in order to stop that, again, I have a little plan in mind, <laughs> uh, as always. But yeah, the, it's just one thing after another with them. You, you can't focus on a certain aspect or a certain player of their game because they'll catch you out somewhere else. And just broadly speaking, on, on Perth as well, Pete, obviously you've come into the club this season, your first full year. Um, I've heard you on other mediums say that it was a position that you didn't really have to think about and it's obviously an exciting time uh, for Perth in terms of uh, they're obviously being one of the host uh, grounds for the Women's World Cup as well at, at Dorian Gardens. Um, so can you sort of give us an insight into the excitement, I suppose, around the club, not just leading into that, but obviously the juniors continue to get stronger and stronger every year on the uh, on the women's front. And it must be a really exciting time knowing that you do have these players potentially coming up in the next few years. 100%. And even some of the players coming through now from 21s, I've been starting them in my first team because they've got that X factor. And the club itself, I can see that they've got the ongoing support. They always have. I've had the ongoing support from the guys there, from Jason, Christian, Gary, it's it's been immense to be a part of a club that cares so much about their women's football too. It's been very, very clear from the get-go when I did agree for this position. So there's been absolutely no regrets for me whatsoever. And I've been looking forward um, ever since this season started to progress. Like I really, I'm already looking forward to, to next season. And you touched on a, a couple of the young players that you have given time to this season. Uh, we have to mention Stella Zamponia, who oh, scored a ridiculous me. amount of goals in the under-21s competition this season. And she's got a few at senior level as well. And, and players like her and, and Jess Flannery just don't look out of place, do they? But yeah, Stella's she looks like a real prospect for the future going forward into next season's competition. She certainly is. It's um, it's promising to have players like that in the second rank. And look, I'm I'm almost annoyed at myself. I didn't give her more opportunities this year, but in those... In those situations with those type of players, you want to give them that time frame and that let them trust the timeline of having a really dominant season in that 21. So then when they do step up, they are prepared. It's and also th- a hard balance to strike in terms of you don't want to derail the 21s a season by taking someone out who's such an integral part. Yeah, exactly. You also want to make sure that Ella's coming in, having some reps, playing and getting minutes. Man, it's pretty hard being a coach, bro. It is, but I love it. <laughs> I love every single challenge that flies my way. But yeah, Stella, I dare say she'll be a first-team footballer next year, for sure. I don't think she'll be stepping down at all. So we'll just quickly, uh, obviously we've got a massive podcast. There's been so much that's happened this weekend. Um, we'll, we'll run through the scores. Subiaco defeating Curtin by six goals to nil. Unfortunately, that means Curtin end the season without a victory. They had a couple of near misses and near calls, um, but... You know, Fremantle being the biggest one where they were up 2-1 and yeah. conceded that but last you, second. But as they say, you can't win them all.
and sometimes you can't win any of them. Uh, Subiaco obviously showing as well what happens when you uh, bring in some you know, international level players. It improves your team. Uh, who knew? I think we should mention Subiaco quickly and just give them some praise. I know they have had some additions join them, which obviously helps. But I think Greg's done a really good job considering where they've come through in the fir- from in the first two years of the the MPL WA Women's Competition. Mm, yeah, absolutely. He, he's got them. He's got them playing a, a good brand of football. A lot of the players um, have improved as well under under his coaching as well. Um, so yeah, a, a little bit of a kudos shout out to Subi there. And and I'm and I'm sure they'll be hoping to p- potentially push for the top four next year. Did you yeah. vote for Greg as your coach? of the year? I didn't know. You're not they're supposed to be secret. It's a secret ballot. That's the question, mate. He can absolutely decide to to give us a political answer or not. He's a grown man. You love just throwing out little tidbits like that, don't you? Greg, you were good, mate. It's not not, right. Not quite good enough for Pete. He's got high standards. It's not right. Obviously, Perth uh, kicked off the weekend with a 3-0 win over Murdoch, which meant that the Hyundai NTC will be playing top four football. Your favourite, Sean. Mate, you had one of the best games I've seen uh, in terms of entertainment in the, this season, under the rain uh, up at E&D Leader Stadium, that was just a, just a fun game to be a part of, um, regardless of the result. Uh, but a little word on either of that. I mean, they obviously had a, a little uh, prelude, a little uh, warm-up game. The Fremantle won that one by three goals to one on Sunday. Of those two teams, I'm not going to ask you like who you want to play more, but... Uh, just give us your thoughts on on either of those and and you know the challenges that they pose. I actually spoke to Ben today about his performance. We often have our weekly phone calls and chat about our performances oh, and that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our little bromance that everyone laughs about. Um, he said he tried something new on the weekend with regards to like formation and system, just to see what happened. And obviously, because it was a dead rubber of a, of a fixture, he could. So it gives him a little bit more to move into his next fixture. But you did him a favour then Friday night, didn't you? I did. He said he thanked me. He messaged me and he said that he was celebrating in the pub. And he doesn't even drink. So he was probably sitting on his water or lemon, lime and bitters or something. But um, Some players actually at the game. The yeah, NTC. I, yeah, I did see them. Yeah. Um, both opponents, very, very tough. They, they're never going to uh, lay down easy, especially look at NTC. They've taken nine points from us this year, which we unfortunately have to... Uh, it's a hard pill to swallow. Certainly for you, yeah. Oh, it is. It is. And it's it's been such fine margins, like yeah. ridiculous. I'm sure you'd margins. never get reminded about them either. I don't, actually. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I don't. Ben, oh, ben isn't don't. like, hey, so um, these no. nine points I've got from you. No, no. It's, it, that's, it's a nice man that doesn't remind you of uh, your mistakes. Like when Ben called me Tommy. Uh, when I saw him, and uh, and I haven't mentioned it since. So, uh, worth yeah. worth probably mentioning as well that Fremantle City is starting to get players back as well, and they're starting to look like a, a team who could be really dangerous in the, in the top four cup. Yeah, um, they have uh, they've almost not quite had their. Uh, I'm the sure this back. I think she was on the bench at the weekend, but I th- I think a lot of teams will say that they've had some. Um, They've not been able to get their full 11 out just because of COVID and injuries and various other things. But I think Fremantle, there's there's a genuine case because Michaela was away with the junior Matildas for a while. I think Jamie Lee Gale was out for, for a bit, as was Tash Rigby. So, yeah, they're going to be a dangerous prospect for, for whoever loses. Oh, well, if, if they do beat NTC, then whoever loses that Red Star Perth game, um, that'll be a dangerous opponent. I also like, I know that it's a tight situation, but it really feels unfair that you could lose the top four, lose 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 the first or second game, 
play midweek and then play again in the weekend. Like that's that's three tough games in such a sort. Yeah, time. It, it it is it is. I don't know whether a lot of other leagues play this way, but it is a uh, it's certainly the a football league like the West Australian Football League in, in terms of Australian rules has always played this way. And in in footy, it makes sense because topping the league doesn't mean anything. Topping the league is literally just to give you that bet. So, so when you're, when you're talking about, I know you're sort of shaking your head because you disagree with it, but when you're talking about going to a final day and, and, and your whole league is set up to win that final day of the season, um, you play that whole week literally specifically for that advantage. So when, when you play a game like ours, where you obviously get a lot of plaudits for winning the league, it is a little bit harsh because your whole season is about winning the league and this is almost a separate competition, which if you don't finish top or first or second, uh, you you have that disadvantage. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with them having like the cup final, right? I'm absolutely fine with them having a second game where you second place plays um, or the loser plays the winner of the other game. Fine with that. My issue is the time. Condensed My issue too, it's, it's yeah, really condensed and we like you want your best product available and on show and if you've got players who've got two games worth of like worth of legs and them going into a final you're not going to get a free-flowing game you might have a team who decide for example let's just sit and play on the counter because because we're exhausted or you or you have what happened last year with with Floriot, which looks amazing but we could have looked at them and said there's some serious tired legs out there against Floriot for that Perth game that we were at Tommy yes correct and I was just about to say as well in the top four game last year with with Perth they played on a rain-soaked night uh, against Northern Redbacks as they were. It was a ridiculously wet and wild night and they went to extra time and, and they got the better of, of, of Redbacks in that game. But then you, you could tell by the top four cup final that Mum FC just swept them aside because they got the two goals in half an hour and that was that was kind of it. Whether, whether we have to extend the season by the extra week and give that extra breathing room, then yeah, Probably, probably that makes more. That sense. sounds preposterous. Extending the season by one week—that makes preposterous idea. That makes too much sense, uh, Tommy. I think for the schedule makers. But uh, look, all it really does is give you a bit more incentive to win this game coming up. It it almost is a mini final before the final because if you do win that, you've got the fresher legs uh, for the big game. We wish you all the best of luck, Pete. We. Genuinely, thank you so much for coming. Oh, wait! In. Before we go, we've got to ask him all the questions, Sean. Oh, of course. Of course. How how could I forget? Uh-oh. What's this? Harry Potter, uh, Twilight, or Hunger Games? Harry Potter. Ah, very good. Good answer. I mean, I don't like any of them, but every, every time someone says Harry Potter, my partner's happy, so thank you for that. Um, and your toughest opponent, let's say you're, a, you're in terms of coaching, who's your toughest opponent? Or, 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 or in terms of someone that you are highlighting no, in I, your team? No, I want to throw him under the bus here, because <laughs> if he doesn't say Ben, Ben's going to be annoyed. Who's your toughest what? opponent coming up against as a coach? It has to be Ben. Because he knows he knows me sucker. as a person. Yeah. No, he knows me as a person. He knows the <laughs> style of football that I like to play. So we go into our games and it's such a tactical affair. It's like... It's we're like talk- me and Sean and FIFA. It's, yeah, mm. it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think that that's honestly probably why they got the better of us this year because he just understands the, the, get, like, the way I want the game to be played. And we haven't exactly been our best on those days either. Uh, but I'm not, never going to put it down to that. Um, but yeah, by far. By far. And a sneaky one from me. Who's the player that you highlight that you're playing against and you say, listen, for us to have a chance today, we've got to make sure that this person doesn't get on the ball or we shut them down or they have all the ball in the world, just make sure they can't pass to anybody. Who's the player that you highlight and say, we need to make sure that we shut this person down? There's a couple I could mention here. Uh, in in Ben's camp, I could say Georgia Cassidy. I oh. think she is she's pivotal in their build-up play and the way she pings the ball left and right and opens up space. Such I think a live she's, wire. She is. She's a phenomenal player. I think she's got a bright future. 
Um, in the Red Star camp, I would have to say any of those midfield three. For me this year, it's been it's been Jay. Mm. I think she just makes everything tick. She's the sort of player that just finds that little pocket of space that you didn't think was there, and all of a sudden she's on the ball. Kiwi hero. And she's driving away with it. So, <laughs> All right, we need to get moving on. We'll be back for a quick little chat uh, on the international world and all the teams that scored nine goals on the weekend after this. And before we quickly jump back into part three, we just want to thank once again Macron for being a wonderful sponsor and doing uh, wonderful work distributing and supplying uh, attire for sports teams across the country. Attire? Across the st- grass, grass attire? Gra- grass attire. Grassroots attire, grass professional attire, attire semi-pro attire. They've Not just attire, balls, no. bibs. Go and see them in, we determined last week, is Osborne Park. It's Check it Osborne out, Park. the Macron's uh, Perth <laughs> Facebook page. Uh, and again, thank you so, 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 so much. We've got to get back into the podcast. Before we get into the podcast, remember to vote. If you're an NPL player and you want to be part of our Players Player of the Year vote, if you're an NPL coach who hasn't got a link from me yet or has got a link and hasn't replied back to me. Okay, let's dive back in. And we're back for part three. After all that NPL excitement, uh, it's time to talk uh, about all the teams that scored nine goals on the weekend. So, Kalichi, let's start with Liverpool. Can I just say for all the people listening, it's really convenient that Liverpool lost and we weren't here to have a podcast. I'm so (laughs) glad the Manchester United game was the night of the podcast. (laughs) We signed off on the podcast going like, uh, Liverpool are going to cream Manchester United. No, we we'll didn't. Something we didn't. No, I think we were, we were quite reserved because we were both like, uh, I had a bad feeling and football's football, but we, so might, to, we to, might as well leave and leave these boys to it, Josh. Yeah. yeah but look, to, be, to be fair, we were really just running down Cristiano Ronaldo and I don't know if the situation's actually gotten any better. I think him. if anyone is still suggesting that Manchester United are better when Cristiano Ronaldo plays... They probably don't understand how football works. Uh, Tommy, it was a bad time to come up against Liverpool, wasn't it, for Bournemouth? Yeah, beware the angry acts of revenge, I suppose, after obviously that that, um, that defeat, that would have left a sour taste in the mouth. Um, yeah, Klopp would have wanted a response, and he, he definitely got it. Um, a lot of that was also down to Bournemouth. Um, that's another conversation about the depth in terms of the bottom of the league, the promoted teams coming up, the strength that they can offer. Um and various other things. But at the end of the day, Liverpool get that confidence boosting win and good to see some guys like Harvey Elliott and, and Luis Diaz in particular get oh, the goals Harvey's from their point of player, view. I'm going to change topic completely here and just be like, isn't Haaland a freak? What? Why like, do you want to change Haaland? I, I just our I first w- win of the that's, season, Kalichi. That's, that's a really extreme segue. Just, that's like, just he, want to no, talk do you know what, Kalichi? Like, he's, he's one of these hipster he's football fans. He's just so good. Like, hey, my team won 9-0, and all I want to talk about is the striker for our rivals. I think he's worried that people are going to be put off that you, you just go going too exuberant nah, when, it's, uh, nah, when it's the hipster win. It's the hipster thing. Trust me. I, I know Kalichi better than anyone, but... <laughs> But to be honest, Erling Haaland is an absolute freak. And and it, and it does show his... And when, when people are coming in and it's pre-season and people are trying to put together compilations of Darwin Nunez missing and then Erling Haaland missing, and it's like, I I hate that. That's not the sort of... I, but, but I don't engage with any of that stuff. It is so boring because Erling Haaland, anyone that said this guy who is 22... And in all his professional games, he scored something like a goal he a game for 160 games. Yeah. It is absolutely insane. The guy is one of the best forwards of all time at the age that he's at now. 
and he'll go on to score a thousand goals. It is that, like to say that he's not gonna. Well, okay, I mean, that's, that's, that's so many goals. He has already scored hundreds, almost hundreds. Um, it, he he is a freak. You're right, and and the dip that was a big difference between the Crystal Palace game that Liverpool played. And our striker goes and does something stupid and gets himself sent off. And Erling Haaland goes and scores a hat-trick and, and wins the game for his team. That's that's a big points difference. That's that's huge. The big thing for me was the three different types of ways that he scored, right? And, and of those three ways, we've seen the through ball where he holds off a player and is just too big, too fast, too strong. That's the, the Mario Lemieux finish is a man that loves deep cuts. The key, the key one for me was the cross from Phil Foden. Because last season, he wasn't playing that ball. Like the, the entirety of last season, they didn't have someone who was there to get on the end of those types of headers. But you've, he's now just going, I can put this ball in this general direction and I know that this guy's going to be there. And that's freakish. That's freakish to think about because you'd think about typically for City, okay, we'd stay in deep, but staying in deep isn't going to work. We'll play a high line. He's bigger, faster, and stronger than any other set of half that's in there. Oh, okay, we'll, we'll still try staying deep and he'll score a tap in. It's, it, it, it was so it was so much of a joy to watch. And it, it feels, again, like I don't want to, go like overreaction theater here and say that it's game over for the rest of the league. But it does feel like they've got something absolutely dangerous here. And and there was a, there's a joke that's going around saying like Guardiola must hate it because he's got all these amazing tactics to help you get around and, and sort things out in terms of how to play. But then it just becomes, hey, give it to the big, quick, fast, strong dude with a great header. Yeah, just give it the ball to him. The guy that's Forget got 90 pace, yeah. 90 heading, <laughs> 90 is. finishing. Yeah. Forget about your tactics. Just give that guy the ball. The only thing Here's I, a bit the only like... Thing I, the only thing I was going to add to that, sorry, as well, is we did see a lot of that last season. In, I know it's a different type of player, but um, Guardiola's always had a habit of getting guys to the back post, like Sterling and Bernardo Silva. How many times have we seen it over the years, the play to the byline? You don't always need good doing goals last year. So what you're saying is Kalichi's wrong saying that you, they no, wouldn't play that No, role. no, I'm just I'm just saying that the they've actually got a, a presence in there now rather than an arriving and, and arriving because they used to do all that as yeah. midfielders arriving from deep, whereas now they've got that stru- they've yep. got that structure in the central area. Uh, do you want to say one more thing about Manchester City, Josh? Oh, probably just about Haaland. But uh, but yeah, he is he is like you know the kid that's developed. He's like the kids that that's developed early, and he's like playing with all these late developers, and he's like twice the size of them, but it's playing against grown men. Kalichi uh, always says the kids that develop early end up being the worst players because they can just like rely on yeah, their yeah. If, if you are if you are a child who just is is you're having the development and uh, coaches yeah. just go you're really fast we'll just play speed for you play up front. Yeah, yeah 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 well uh, the other results across the Premier League is we don't have much time we've already talked for so long uh, tonight but Manchester United went back to flattering to deceive they went too impressive against Southampton uh, got the results uh, which I'm sure they'll be happy with uh, and Ronaldo got to come on late for his sub appearance which I assume is just a fulfill contractual obligations and get his appearance bonus because he didn't do much again. Um, but the one new win for them, but then a, um, well, a big listeners to the Anfield rap. And um, one of the comments that Neil Atkinson made about Chelsea and uh, Leicester city was that uh, if there is any game that Thomas Tuchel would want more than any other, it is going down to 10 men at home against Leicester because he is a weirdo and loves these, <laughs> just these tactical slug fests. Uh, your boy Raz rah, he, rah. getting it, getting in amongst it, and and they showed their credentials. With it. it's, it is hard to to score two goals down to ten men, and they were, yeah, by all accounts, played very well. Uh, two one, the final score there. Brighton one leads nil. Tommy, bit of a tough one to take that one. You were looking for top of the league, and uh, I don't think they it was necessarily a 
yeah, clear, clear Brighton win. It's, it, but it, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, Brighton were the better team. Uh, we were very lucky to be in the game and goalless at halftime. Brighton dominated us. We played a bit better in the second half, created more chances, tweaked it slightly. Um, but Brighton got the goal in the counter-attack and they th- thoroughly deserved the win. Um, not too worried about us. Just a bit of a flat performance. Hopefully we can bounce back at home to Everton midweek. Brighton's a lesson for a lot of clubs about the importance of trusting in a multi-year process as well. Oh, have, haven't they been fantastic? And, and Potter's just, it must be one of the hottest prospects now in, in world football, you would think. And they were criticised a lot when they decided to move away from Chris Hewson, who'd done a decent job sort of keeping them in that 15, 14, 16 spot in the Premier League. They were sort of just staying up, but they weren't playing great football. And they Similar to, to like uh, Nigel Adkins, wasn't it? Southampton, who yeah, when they, and they brought in, everyone was thinking, that's harsh. He's and, done a And then they brought in job. Pochettino and it was you know completely yeah. revolutionary. Sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. And, and, but the way that Potter plays, and and you look at a guy, you look at a guy called Graham Potter, and you don't think that he's, uh, you look at a guy called Graham Potter, and you don't think of like someone as a, a master tactician or or someone with, who's going to be a great purist about the way his football team plays. But the way they actually play, the way they move the ball around the pitch, every single player is in sync, and they move the ball against teams in the middle of the table, like they're a Liverpool or a Man City or or, or an Arsenal. Five thirty-eight have them as six favourites to well to finish sixth. Sorry, they're, they're well, right six, there. They've got to be six favourites to win the league. Then six favourites to win the league. Sorry, man. Yeah. It was like my, my English being my second language caught up with me. I think I think they're a good shout. I think they're a good shout to get into Europe. Now you're smashing tables as well, Kalechi. You are you are on one here. Uh, next scoreline on the list is Liverpool nine, Bournemouth nil. I don't know if we've touched on that one yet, but before you jumped over to Erling Haaland as as a massive, well, it's because our striker didn't score any goals. As a massive football hipster that you are, Roberto Firmino did score a goal and had two assists and absolutely terrorised Bournemouth. But I did want to talk about Harvey Elliott because he is he is a special special talent. Yeah, man, he's really good. Um, where was he on loan before? He, he wasn't on loan. He came to us from Fulham. Um, yeah, from Fulham. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he, we, we sent him on loan, I think, to Blackburn. So you were right. Um, but that was like Again. super, super early. So yeah, he went to Blackburn, came back. He was playing well last season. Um, he kind of plays in like the half eight position where he's he's not just he's not just the box to box person, but he's almost saying as like a false wing, a false nine. Um, yeah, he's 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 a talent. His only his only limitation is his like his physique. Um, but at the same time, like Bernardo Silva is probably the same height as he is. So still very concerned about Liverpool's midfield in the big games, though. All well and good oh, against abs- Bournemouth, but Henderson, Milner, a year older, Thiago, injury prone. Yeah, we already heard you say all this. Yeah, we agree with you, Tommy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We no, know. no. I, I think I think <laughs> no, well, right. I, I think you're, you're right. right. And 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 there was a there was a memo from Jurgen Klopp saying, yeah, he was wrong, and he, he's looking in for a, a new midfielder. But if if we're saying that we're needing these for the big games. I think that's where Liverpool got let down last year was that Thiago got hurt for a big game in terms of the Champions League final and was playing half fit and he didn't trust Naby Keita to come on and play. Um, and then in the semi-final against, I think, Chelsea as well, something like that, something or something against Man City, something similar happened. So if you can have these players who are fit and playing, then yeah, sure, I completely trust it. I think it's absolutely fine. But again, if, if they're not going to be fit and firing, then... This is more like a real Liverpool fan. Now you're just making excuses for all our losses. I love it. Thanks for coming back, Kalichi. Josh. Everyone gets more expensive now, don't they, when you sort of telegraph that you need a player this of course, this yeah, close it's, to the end yeah. of the transfer window. Like every agent is going to be shopping anyone at whatever price now to Liverpool. Yep. Uh, we won't talk about Liverpool too much more because we're going to just wrap up the rest of it. Brentford won, Everton won. Who cares about that? Uh, Arsenal 2, Fulham 1. Arsenal like, just keep getting it done. They haven't done it against any big sides yet, but we've played 
Fulham and Crystal Palace in our first two games and didn't get a win. So you can only beat the team that's put out against you. Uh, Arsenal are impressing you so far. Tell me how how good do you think they are? I think I think they're definitely a good chance of making the top four. Whether they've got the the distance to go all the way and match it with Liverpool, Man, uh, Manchester City is another question. Um, but they've got Villa next to a struggling. They've got Manchester United as well. After that, um, there's definitely a, a life chance that they could be unbeaten after seven or eight games. And then. Who knows where confidence can take it? It's going to be interesting how they balance that squad, though, with a the, with the surge in the Europa League as well. You mentioned Villa uh, yet to win, struggling. They lost to West Ham. Uh, they have won. Oh, sorry. They won early on, but they are struggling. They won, uh, sorry, they lost to a deflected West Ham. First goal of the league season. Mm. Um, sometimes you just got to take them however you can get them, don't you, Josh? Yeah, although throughout the second half, there was the feeling that that goal was going to come for West Ham. So we started out, Say so we West Ham, West Ham fans. So we started out uh, in a three-five-two with uh, Emerson Palmieri, who we'd just signed from Chelsea, in uh, the sort of left wing back position. Creswell playing as a left centre back, and it really didn't work. Uh, and uh, Emerson, who hadn't offered very much to be honest, got brought off at half time. We went to a four-three-three. Said Ben Rama came on to the pitch, and it completely changed the way the game was played. Villa were the better team in the first half, but for the amount of ball that they had and the control they had over the game, they really created very, very little of substance. Once West Ham were on top in the second half, much more creative, much more mobile, could have been, you know, two or three chances in there. Jared Bowen had, had a good chance that, uh, I can't remember who it was, someone made a, a clearing tackle coming back. So, uh, yeah, happy to, as a West Ham fan, happy to get the, the first win, the monkey off the back, especially, especially given that we've got, I think, Tottenham and Chelsea Coming up, Tottenham midweek. Oh, a couple of London derbies, some spicy ones, as Kalishi would say. Wolves Newcastle one one. Thanks to me dropping Alan St Maximan from my fantasy team before the West, uh, the Man City game. He had the great goal, be- best was. best goal of best game of his life apparently against Manchester City, and then probably one of the best goals of his life. <laughs> yes, you've you've both said it. If you haven't seen it, go and look it up. Don't pay twenty four dollars for an Optus Sport subscription. Just reach out to me, and you can use mine. <laughs> um, Villa West Ham. We've been through Tottenham. Two Nottingham Forest nil at the uh, Nottingham Forest. Uh, <laughs> we have to mention the Richarlison juggles, don't we? Just quickly. I, how, I, how fun was that? I was going to get on to the Richarlison, not just the juggles, but the you cross. Got absolutely laced, didn't the, you? The cross for Harry Kane. Brennan Johnson then pulled, uh, yeah, laced him down afterwards. Yeah, and, and absolutely deserved. I was going to say his cross for Harry Kane, absolute. Peach of a cross, absolute prick of a bloke, um, which you've already talked about with those uh, juggles. Josh, is there one more thing you want to say about the Premier League before we wrap up for another massive Perth football podcast? Yeah, it might not be that fashionable, but if uh, if you do get free time and you want to watch those Nottingham Forest home games, they are so much fun because Nottingham Forest play with reckless abandon at times, streaming up the pitch. They leave holes at the back, so it looks like there'll always be goals, and, and the, the City Ground fans are a lot of fun as well. And we don't have time to touch on all the other leagues around the world because we've already talked for a long time tonight, but I do just want to say my boy Tammy Abraham still scoring goals for Roma, and they are undefeated up near the top of the Serie A. We'll talk about more of that next week when we have a little bit more time. Thank you for joining us on the Perth Football Podcast. We are out for another night. Josh, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> thank you, Tommy, for being here. See you later. Kalichi, thank you for all your producing and uh, you being you. Go watch as many games as you can this weekend. All right, peace out. We'll see you on the next episode of the Perth Football Podcast.
All right. Well, my I'm going to go with Nigel and say Floriot. Um, it's just, it is sounding like the uh, the Floriot Football Podcast the the way it's been going today. But they have just won the first trophy of the season, so uh, more power to them.